Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to another edition of The Bird Calls. I'm David Grubb. The New Orleans Pelicans are back in the news, but it's not for off-the-court drama. It's about a potential franchise-changing trade. On Monday, Sham Sharania reported that the Pelicans are aggressively pursuing either the number two or the number three pick in this month's NBA draft in order to pursue uh, guard Scoot Henderson. If you aren't aware of Scoot Henderson, he's the youngest player ever to join the G League when he joined the Ignite at age 17. He went on and scored 31 points in his second ever professional game. At 6'2", with a 6'9", wingspan, he's considered the best point guard prospect in this draft. In another year, he probably, he definitely, would be the number one overall pick. He's got great skills on both sides of the basketball, an excellent penetrator and shot creator who could finish at the rim very athletically. Uh, he has an effective pull-up jumper. He struggled to shoot it from deep last season, making less than 28% of his three-pointers. But most scouts believe that he can become a very good shooter with time. He's been compared to Russell Westbrook and Donovan Mitchell, among others. Well, making a move like that would be a signal that the Pelicans don't like something significant about what's in their current mix, because the cost to move up in this draft would not be cheap. The Charlotte Hornets, of course, hold the second pick, and the Portland Trailblazers have the third. In a moment, I'll be joined by Sean Hyken. Sean writes for the Rose Garden Report, which covers the Trailblazers. I'll ask him about the possibility and the probability of a deal between the Pels and Portland and what that deal could cost. Looking at this from Charlotte's perspective, at number two, they hold all the cards. Victor Wimbanyama is going first to San Antonio. Then there are two, maybe three other candidates for the second pick. Besides Henderson, you have Brandon Miller out of Alabama. And even Ford Amon Thompson has been mentioned in the top three. So, reportedly, the Hornets really like the thought of pairing Brandon Miller with LaMelo Ball. You get your uh, athletic uh, wingman who can do just about everything to pair with Melo. He hasn't really had a true wing compliment in Charlotte. Uh, Gordon Hayward has always been injured. Miller has obvious star potential. But that isn't a lock. We know that before the draft, fake outs, smoke screens, outright lies, that's what teams do. Um, If you're David Griffin, though, and you want to make a straight-up deal with either team, you have to be hoping that Charlotte is in love with Miller because otherwise you'd have to imagine that any trade with the Hornets is going to mean the loss of either Brandon Ingram or Trey Murphy III. Look, Zion Williamson, of course, is your franchise centerpiece, but he's not on the court. And his injury history and his long-term max deal don't make him as appealing necessarily as Ingram, who, like Williamson, is also from North Carolina. He has a better recent injury history, and he's shown that he can be really capable as a second option in the league without having a true point guard around him to make his life easier. So Murphy, he looks like he's coming into his own as a future star in this league, and he's the Pelicans' lone elite shooter. He can play at either the three or the four spots, and he's a tremendous athlete in transition. Don't you think Melo would want to have somebody like that around? Of course. Everyone wants to have someone like Trey Murphy the third round. So the question then moves to Portland. What would it take? 
if the Trailblazers are truly interested in retaining Damian Lillard and rebuilding around him, does Scoot Henderson make them competitive now? Probably not. Well, here's what Sean Hyken had to say. I am joined by Sean Hyken of the Rose Garden Report, and the Pelicans have been tied to the Trailblazers in potentially making a deal for the number three pick in the draft. Sean, first and foremost, how anxious are Portland fans about potentially dealing a top three pick? I mean, I, I, it's it's kind of an interesting position that they're in, and I think a lot of it is going to depend on what happens at number two. Because the only thing about this draft that is 100% locked in is what San Antonio is doing at one. There's all these, you know, the rumor since the lottery has been that Charlotte might like Brandon Miller more than Scoot Henderson, and that might be the way that they go. But then, you know, if Scoot Henderson is there, like, and most teams think he's the second best prospect in the draft behind Weminyama, then either, you know, Portland can get a lot for that pick, or, you know, there are people who think, oh, you know, are you going to pass on a guy who could be that good? But if you draft another point guard, what does that mean for Dane? Like that, like, it's just a lot of stuff that's just kind of, up in the air and you know i've heard conflicting things about like obviously they want to move the you know they they would if they get the right offer they would like to you know move the pick for more of a win now guy because they do still want to keep building around dame he hasn't said he wants out like they 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 aren't really interested in just trading him and rebuilding that's not something they're thinking about doing but also they're not going to just trade the pick just to trade the pick they have to get an offer that they feel like actually moves the needle towards contending in order to to do that so it's just it, there's just so much up in the air right now and i just there, assume that anything that's out there is posturing from one side or another from which you know whichever whoever it benefits for stuff to get out yeah because charlotte like you said has 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 the catbird seat so mm-hmm. number one is the lock yeah you can easily make the case that brandon miller fits what they need because they would love to have a wing forward to run the floor with a LaMelo ball to be able to score in transition. They struggled from the outside. Gordon Hayward has never really been able to be healthy for them. Miles Bridges, his situation dramatically changed their offense last year. And they've got a few small guards already on their roster. But again, they're talking about Scoot Henderson as if he he's a, he's a guy confident enough to believe he should be the number one pick in this draft himself. Yeah. And do you pass on like you know, it's it's that that old story. Like when they asked Bobby Knight, uh, when Portland asked Bobby Knight, well, why would we draft Michael Jordan? We already have a two guard. We need a center, and they say we'll play Michael Jordan at center. It's not the exact same thing. <laughs> no, but- I I'm totally with you on the Charlotte thing. To me, they they might Charlotte might have the worst base of talent in the league. So they can't, I, I, to me, they shouldn't be looking at LaMelo Ball as a reason not to draft Scoot Henderson, but I'm not the one running the team. And, you know, they have different. Who is? <laughs> That's another question. Cause I don't know if, you know, Mitch Kupchak is the one calling the shots or is Michael Jordan calling the shots? Cause supposedly he was thinking about selling his shares, but I also heard there was a chance he might've just been waiting to see how the lottery shook out before he made a decision about that. But now that they moved up to maybe the, maybe he doesn't necessarily want to sell. Maybe he's the one running the show. I know that in the past, Steve Clifford, who was their coach, and then they fired him, and then he brought him back. I remember in the 2017 draft, he was, like, screaming about, you know, you guys need to draft Donovan Mitchell, and they didn't listen to him. So, you know, if he since he's back there, maybe he has a say in it. So it's just, there's a lot of different, like, you don't know who which guy each of these guys likes, and that's going to... And then, you know, also, if you're Charlotte, like, 
do you like any of the offers that you get for for number two? And, you know, they're in a little bit of a different position than Portland is. So it's going to be real interesting to see how a lot of this plays out. It absolutely is because, you know, I look at Charlotte again and, you know, could they even be interested to switch that just to move down one with Portland? Is that, you know, could that even be a potential deal to move back one and then move back more to, to, to gain more assets? Because I think that there's going to be this group of teams. I, I know Indiana's interested in moving up. I think that there are probably other teams that would like to move up that if, you, if, if you're the right general manager, you play this like the NFL draft. Maybe I can get myself multiple first round picks this year and I can get myself picks in the future for a team that, you know, maybe needs more pieces than just one guy in this draft can solve their problem. Yeah, I could see that from Charlotte. Charlotte yeah. And well, if they really want Brandon Miller, if that's the guy they like. Right. And teams are, you know, banging down their doors to, you know, move up but and the guy that teams want to move up for is scoot you know i could see that being a situation where they leverage portland maybe get like a future pick from portland to flip-flop spots so portland can do whatever they do as far as trading for which one of these people want to move up to scoot and charlotte gets like an asset and they still get to draft miller if that's the guy they want there's a lot about how like how this could play i will tell you i don't think portland is really looking at this pick as if they're going to, if they're going to move the pick, I don't get the sense just talking to people in the organization and just kind of reading between the lines of like what their goals are. I don't think they would be interested in trading the pick for like more future picks or, you know, young players. Like they're in the, if they, if they move the pick, they're in the business of getting, you know, a guy that they think is, you know, a needle mover that you can put next to Dame and that's going to vault them into a different place in terms of, you know, how, how, how they are in the playoff picture. That's more like I've had people like ever since this report came out, I've had people ask me about like, you know, if they were going to do something with the Pelicans, for example, because that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Would it be like, you know, Trey Murphy and like flip flop their picks and some future that's picks. I don't, I don't think that's something that they're interested in. I think there's, you know, if, if anything is going to happen, with Portland and New Orleans about the third pick. It has to be a star. It has to be one of their two guys. And I think there's one of the two guys that they would be more interested in than the, than the other. And that's Brandon Ingram. No, I mean, actually, really? You, no, I think, I think Zion's the only way to do it. You think that Zion would be of more interest to Portland considering uh, 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 this yes. is from the New Orleans perspective. I think New Orleans fans would rather Zion, quite frankly, be moved um, at this point <laughs> because they're frustrated with him. Which I I understand. (laughs) Yeah. And they've seen B.I. They know what Ingram is. Um, And and there's a lot of discomfort with with Pelicans fans and potentially trading B.I. But my thought is, again, if you're Portland, and and you would know better than I, it would just be, I'm looking at Zion as a guy who's only played 29 games in the last two years. He has a, a max deal that just kicked in. And he's an undersized big. That, you know, if you had, if you said we got to have Ingram, who only has three years left on his deal, is only 22, yeah, two years left on his deal, is is only 25 years old. And, you know, you're looking at it from a much different situation. He's a guy who's all-star adjacent right now. You know what I mean? Like him and and some sweetener, maybe it's Dyson Daniels, maybe it's Kyra Lewis, maybe it's Herb Herb Jones or something like that, that Ingram and his salary um you know maybe it, it's the the switch would be you come off of um um who am I, uh, the the Anthony Simons 
who would make the salaries match. And then you, you give up Simons and you get Ingram in return and, and, and work it there. I would tell you just based on what I, and this is a, it's a pretty limited sample size with this Portland front office as it exists right now, because mm-hmm. they Joe Cronin took over as GM in December of 21 after they fired Neil Olshay. So you basically had one draft, one free agency period and two trade deadlines. One of which was, you know, tearing the whole roster down while Dame had the core surgery, which was when they did the CJ McCollum trade with right. New Orleans. But just in that small sample size, I think what we've seen from the, you know, just the way this front office operates and kind of the moves that they make and they don't make, they are big on taking swings and going after upside. Like I'll give you an example. And this actually kind of traces back to new Orleans too. the two guys that they were torn between last year in the draft, they had the number seven pick. The two guys that they were looking at that they were kind of decide down to as like the choice. One of them was Shaden Sharp, who they ended up taking. And the other one was Dyson Daniels, who New Orleans took one pick later at number eight. Mm-hmm. And the argument for Dyson Daniels was he's more plug and play. He's ready to contribute and be a rotation player on a playoff team from day one. And the argument for Shaden Sharp was he's going to take longer to get ready, but he has star upside. They ended up going with the star upside. And that's generally been how they approach things. I think the thinking with Zion would be, and I understand, you know, what the concerns are because of those concerns. And I, I'm not even talking about the stuff from this week. I don't really care about guys' yeah, personal no, no. lives or whatever, but like, but just, you know, I would need to see if you're them, I would need to see the medicals and see if that's like halfway. Okay. And have to have some sort of conversation about, you know, conditioning and, you know, some of, some of that kind of stuff. But if you feel like that stuff is even halfway workable, then I think that's that's the one where, you know, every time Zion has been healthy, he's been arguably a top five player in the league and like an MVP level type of guy. Mm-hmm. And that's more, I feel like if you're going to trade the pick, like some of these, like there were some guys that I've seen, you know, get thrown around as like possibilities for who, you know, they could trade the pick for. And a lot of it is guys who have like maybe been an all-star a couple of times, like Zach Levine or something, which I don't think they're really interested in. No, I, I can't see that. Or, you know, and I kind of think they would put Brandon Ingram in that same category. Well, like he is what he, like he's a good player. He's been an all-star a couple of times, but Brandon Ingram isn't really changing your life. Whereas Zion if you're taking you're taking the bet that get him into a change of scenery, you know, get him with different trainers, you know, get the conditioning stuff under control, you know, get him healthy, and then you put him and Dame together, and that's a title contender if if that all breaks right. That's the swing. I mean, obviously the downside is much greater because he you know it could go the way that it's gone with him the last few years with the injuries and stuff. But I think the upside from from their standpoint and just knowing what I know about how they look at this stuff, I think the upside is there to be worth it to trade a top three pick for that more than it would be for somebody like Ingram, where, you know, he's a good player, but that's, that's not, that's not like changing your world. I don't right. Think. Right. Cause I, I think we're, you're, we're in agreement there. If you were to ask me, who's the only player on the Pelicans roster who could win four series for you 
And that's yeah. what you're looking for. And that's, that's the whole point. Williamson. And that's the whole point, like about, you know, what, you know, what Dame is talking about, like he wants them to do, he, you know, he wants them to get, you know, I don't know. And I, I, I don't, I don't know specifically how Dame views Brandon Ingram. I know he has very strong opinions about players he likes and players he doesn't. He watches more league pass than anybody. He knows the league inside and out as far as different players. I know that there are guys that he likes and guys that he doesn't like. I don't know where Brandon Ingram is or isn't on that spectrum, but I don't I think if they were to trade this pick for Brandon Ingram that I mean again he, he's a good player and you know he would you know he would be a decent fit I guess but is that like is that enough well I'll put I'll put, I'll put it this way they uh they were talking pretty seriously with Toronto last year at the draft about the seventh pick and trading it possibly for OG Ananobi they decided not to do it because they thought the upside of keeping the pick and taking shade and sharp was higher. So that's kind of how they, you know, even though like, you know, OG is a guy that I think in the short term would have helped them now, but it's like, is OG and an worth a top 10 pick in the draft? I think they decided no. And I think mm-hmm. most people would, would, I would agree. agree. No. Yeah. And I kind of would put, I know, I know OG's never been an all-star and Brandon Ingram has been an all-star a couple times, but I would kind of put them in similar categories of player of like, you know, he's a D you know, he's not, he's not a bad guy to have, but he's not, you know, he's not changing. your He's not the guy. No, he's not. Whereas Zion, if he were to be able to stay healthy and get the conditioning stuff and whatever else figured out, which is a big, if, because if that wasn't a big, if we wouldn't even be having this conversation because he'd be untouchable and the Pelicans would be a title contender. But I think that's more just knowing what I, again, knowing what I know about the Blazers front office and the way that they look at this stuff. I think that's the swing they would take with the third pick more so than something like Brandon Ingram. That's more of a safe choice, but way lower of a ceiling. If you're taking Zion on then Mm -hmm. what other mitigating factors do you think that it would take for Portland? Because you'd want some level of insurance on your deal. In that case, because you're giving right. up what you what many people view as a sure thing mm-hmm. for a guy who is not anymore viewed as a sure thing. Yeah, I don't I don't know what else the what else the deal would be like. I mean, if, I'm sure they'd love to get back like, you know, one of those guys you mentioned, like a Herb Jones or a Dyson Daniels. I'm sure they'd love to get something like that back as well. I don't I haven't gone through the full mechanics. The thing I'm interested in is what the because the salary, I, I almost wonder if it would have to be a three team deal because the salary yeah. The salary from Portland's end would probably be Simons and Nurkic. And I just don't, and si- you know, Simons is a really good player who's on a really good contract, but New Orleans having CJ and presumably moving up to take Scoot, I don't know if Simons really makes a lot of sense and Nurkic on that certainly roster. Doesn't. With Jonas. No, no. Or maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you take, maybe the Pelicans like take Nurkic and then they put, you know, reroute Jonas and Anthony Simons to a third team, but then you have to get a third team in and that always gets, makes this stuff complicated. I don't know. I don't know how it would work, but I just, I just, I feel like I haven't, I haven't like had conversations with people in the Blazers front office about specifically what they would want from New Orleans since this report came out yesterday, because I just, you you, you know, I, I do check on stuff, but I also just assume that anything that GM is going to tell me right now is probably either they're like lying to, you know, boost leverage, you know, how this kind of stuff works, whatever. So I haven't, I haven't specifically checked on this with Portland, but just knowing what I know about the way that they operate, I think from New or- from their end with New Orleans, I think Zion is the only thing that would really move them. And I think that that means to me, 
with the fact that this pick, there are multiple teams that are going to want this pick. Mm-hmm. And it's likely that, as you said, I, I think it would take a multiple team deal more than just two teams involved to make any type of deal work. Um, if you're the Pelicans in particular, yeah, I think that this is one of those ones that if it's going to happen, we don't hear about it till draft night because it's mm-hmm. going to take that much work in order to get a deal done. There's no straight up easy solution um, for either one of these teams where you just say, yeah, that that's it. And we'll do mm-hmm. it. Well, the problem is, I mean, I think if it were the number two, if they had the number two pick, it would be a lot easier because we know San Antonio is taking Wembenyama at one. So the draft really starts at two, but we don't know what Charlotte is doing at two. If they had the number two pick, if Portland had the number two pick, we know who the number one pick is going to be. There's going to be no drama there. So you can make deals now knowing who's going to be there at two. But because it's three and there's so much uncertainty about what Charlotte is going to do, is Charlotte going to keep the pick? Are they going to take Miller? Maybe all this Miller stuff with them is a smokescreen and they actually just want Scoot and they're going to take Scoot. Maybe one of the teams that wants to trade up to get Scoot is going to uh, you know, trade with Charlotte and not Portland. Like, There's so much variable. I've been saying since the night of the lottery, my assumption had been that Portland was going to trade the pick. But I have been saying the whole time that it's going to happen while they're on the clock because you need to see what Charlotte does. And then, you know, if Charlotte takes Miller, then maybe there are teams that wanted Scoot that then you go back to and say, hey, this is, you know, you got this five minutes while we're on the clock to get your offers in. Or, you know, maybe there are other teams that want Miller. And if and if he's the one on the board, maybe that's who, like I've heard, I've heard, for example, that Washington is a team that's really interested in Miller from whatever capacity that is i don't think they have anything workable with portland i don't think bradley beal is somebody that they're really Mm-mm. interested in or something that's a fit and i don't think they really have much else to trade but that for just just to give you an example i just, just to let you know there is one there at least, there are other teams that highly mm-hmm. value brandon miller and the market for portland's pick is not going to disappear if scoot is off the board so i just and you know who who knows maybe there are teams that like one of the and i don't i by the way, I don't know who Portland would go for if they decide to keep the pick because <laughs> they've brought in they've brought in Scoot for a workout like a week ago. And how did that go? As far as I know, it went well. They don't let us actually watch the workouts, right. but you but know we do reports... media sessions. I was really impressed with Scoot just from the media session that we did. And I, I mean, I've heard great things about him from like his time in the G League, as far as like professionalism and character and all that stuff. Like, I was really impressed. I think I think whatever team ends up with him is going to be very happy with him you know, personality wise. And also, you know, from what I've seen on the court, but they brought him in, they brought both of the twins in from overtime elite. I'm in an Asar Thompson. They haven't brought Brandon Miller in yet. I think that's going to happen this week. They might be bringing in one or two more of the lottery guy, like Cam Whitmore, something like that. They they're, so they're going through the process and I don't know. And I think part of it is they genuinely are wanting to get a look at these guys in case they decide to keep the pick. But I think they're also trying to put it out there to other teams like, hey, we're totally comfortable keeping the pick if we don't see an offer we like. So you better get your offers up. You know how this stuff always is with leverage. I was convinced a year ago that they were going to trade the number seven pick because they traded for Jeremy Grant with other picks and stuff the day before the draft. And I had, you know, like I like I said earlier, they were talking like right up until they were on the clock at number seven with Toronto about OG Ananobi. But I think the idea was that Toronto wanted like a lot of other stuff in addition. I mean, you know how like you 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 see all the stuff about like how Masai values his guys, and I think 
he was his asking price was just so high that they were just like we're not going to do this we're going to take Shaden Sharp and that's at the night of the draft Dame when they didn't trade the pick for so win now guy Dame was like yeah, I don't know about that but he like Shaden Sharp won him over over the course of the year and now Dame is fully in on Shaden I don't think he would be thrilled if they decided to keep the pick and not uh you know trade it for somebody but I also don't think that it's as binary of a thing as if they trade the pick dame's gone like i i don't i don't think anybody is operating at this point as though there's a real chance that he's not going to be in portland this fall but i think there are a few guys that portland would view trading the third pick as worth it for i think zion would be one of them i think the guy that has been like linked the most and I know would be Dame's first choice is Mikel Bridges, but I've heard mixed things about, you know, Brooklyn says he's absolutely not available. I don't know how much of that is posturing or how Brooklyn much of that. Brooklyn has given away like, a lot of players over the last few years that they, at, at one point, people thought couldn't be traded. Right, I know. And I think, I, th- I, th- I think from, I think as far as like value for the pick, you know, short of like the, like the Zion thing is, is the, is the absolute like moonshot, you know, home run swing because he, has been every time he's been healthy he's like a top five type of player in the league you know even though it hasn't been that much like that's what that's how good he is when he is healthy so that's that's the full upside swing bridges to me checks the most boxes of like he's young enough that like you're not tying your whole thing to another guy in his 30s so like once dame ages out you've still got him you know at his age he's under contract for three more years at a pretty good number he and dame are friends so like that that's the one that I think they would view as like the most, you know, perfect nexus of like value, but also like a guy that they think does move the needle. But I think Zion would be like the bigger, like high risk, high reward play. If that, if that was the, I, so I, I think that's kind of more the area that they're looking in with this pick. Like, I don't, I don't think like Brandon Ingram, for example, or uh, like Zach Levine or OG Ananobi. I don't think those are the types of guys they're really interested in with the third pick the last guy I'll ask you about, because the the other one that I've heard connections is that Toronto might try to get back in the mix with Siakam mm-hmm. and, and, and try to get him involved in a third, for the third pick. Is Siakam the kind of player? I mean, another guy who's been an all-star who has been the second best guy on a championship team plays multiple positions, still relatively young. Um, not a bad number. I mean, he's, he's pretty attractive for that spot. I mean, I think that's somebody they would look at. I, I don't know where, I mean, I think, I think Bridges is far and away like number one on their board. Mm -hmm. I don't know how feasible that is. I think the cup, there are a few things with Siakam. One is it's kind of a weird fit with Jeremy Grant, who I believe they're going to resign. So that's a little bit of a weird fit, but that, you know, talent wise and like player type wise, I think that would make some sense. I think the other issue with him would be that he's only got one year left on his deal and then you got to pay him. Right. Whereas the thing with Zion, I know you talked about the contract as like a risk, but also like if it works out, if he stays healthy, you, you got him under contract for five years with no options. So you don't have to worry about like you trade for this guy and then he's going to leave in two years. Like that's that's kind of the risk with some of these other guys. That's why Bridges, you know, under contract for three more years, making he's making something crazy low, like 20 million a year or something. Like he, he has a crazy, you know, cheap contract. So oh, yeah. I think that like that's the type of thing you know, I, you know, part, you know, they, they want to, they're trying to thread this needle. I don't know what the, I, you know, how realistic it is. They want to thread a needle of, they want to go all in on, you know, getting guys that are on, you know, Dame's timeline or ready to, you know, compete and, you know, contend right now. 
but they don't want to completely just like have nothing left when Dame Age is out in three years. They don't want to then be starting over from zero and then you're like the, you know, you're the Charlotte Hornets and you just like have no talent, which is why I think Shaden Sharp is somebody that they have, from what I've under, I understand is completely off the board as far as any kind of trade, you know, possibilities. That's somebody that they're not looking to move at all. So they're trying to, they're trying to do the thing of like, we want to have guys that can play with Dame and, you know, are at his level, but we also want to have a little bit of upside there, which is why I think the Zion thing is, would be a little more attractive to them than Ingram. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Ultimately, I think that's what people are going to, the Pelicans are, I think are going to have to hope that folks can talk themselves into, because I never viewed Zion Williamson as a long-term NBA player, not a guy who's going to get, 17 years in the league i thought you well, know no. he, he, he look i mean you know he's just a the, his, he's a his, bo- his yeah. body type and the way he plays like you know it's not going to be a it's the same way with women i don't i don't think he's the guy who's going to play 20 years in the league you know what i'm saying well, like, from what i you know what though from what all the, i've read all the stuff about victor Wembanyama, and apparently like there is so much like zion had you know medical red flags and stuff going back to when he was at duke like that stuff is that's it's not like it's that all been on is, the like, same side of his body too. right exactly Webb and Yama, from what I understand, there are like there is like a whole team of people that have been like working around the clock since he was twelve on like, yeah, it's all like the, the bio. It's like Rocky Four, right? All the biomechanics <laughs> stuff. Like I don't think any of the injury red flags that existed with Zion coming into the draft exists with Webb and Yama. And now I understand the argument that like just a guy that tall and the like that body type. type. Like I I understand why there are some reservations there. I don't think it's quite the same thing as Zion because with Zion like. You knew because he had that, you know, he had that issue, that injury that was it the the knee injury that he had at, at Duke, like when his shoe exploded, and he missed some time there. And then, you know, as soon as he gets in the league, you know, in Portland, they dealt with this with Greg Oden when they took him with the number one overall pick. And that, you know, there were there were, from what I know, like a lot of the like, medical staffs. And I know Portland's medical staff. I think it was ultimately Paul Allen's call, the owner at the time, uh, that you know that. Odin's like talent and upside was too much to pass on but I know their medical staff was like looked at Odin and was just like whoa 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 let's like we, we can't yeah, we can't go anywhere the hip, well he had like his one he, leg was significantly shorter yeah than he the, had it like, because he had a hip surgery when he was in like sixth grade and that resort resulted in his his one of his legs being shorter than the other and that led to all this other stuff I don't think any of that stuff exists with Wembenyama like I said with Zion it would certainly be a risk that they're taking because if it wasn't a risk, then New Orleans would be a title contender and we wouldn't be talking about do they want to trade him because he would be a top five player in the league and an MVP candidate and a guy that's making them, you know, a favorite in the West every year. That hasn't happened because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So that's, I, I almost wonder if, you know, if you can, you know, get a third team involved and make the money work and do whatever else. I almost feel like that is the most like win-win scenario for both teams where the Pelicans can wash their hands of just having to deal with the whole Zion. Like, is he going to be healthy? You know, what, what are people saying behind the scenes about his work ethic, like all that kind of stuff. And you get to kind of restart with, if they're going to take Scoot, a guy that people think would be the number one pick in most drafts. And then from Portland's end, you've got a guy who, you know, you're betting, and this is a big bet, but you're betting on a guy, you know, who, you know, is going to be motivated in a change of scenery and the issues that were issues in New Orleans aren't going to be issues in Portland. And you've seen him be like an MVP level player when he's been healthy. And so I almost feel like it's a, it would be a bet that both sides are making that, you know, yeah, might just kind of, 
it would kind of line up. I think it would kind of from both ends and like what both teams goals are. I think that's the one that would kind of line up. Yeah. I, honestly, the more we've talked about it, it, it aligns more with Portland for Zion. It makes more sense if, if Portland were going after Zion than it does if I'm thinking if I'm Charlotte. Because I don't, I don't see Charlotte taking the Zion risk. It doesn't make. Who knows much... what Charlotte wants? But, I mean, you Charlotte have... is weird, and we don't you know what's to, going a, on you, there. You have to remember two things. A, you have to remember that Zion is a Jordan brand athlete, and as of now, Michael Jordan still owns the Hornets. You also have to remember that Mitch Kupchak drafted Brandon Ingram when he was uh, the, the GM of the Lakers, so maybe that's somebody that he still likes. I, I, but again, I, I don't know who the Hornets are going to end up taking. I was at the lottery and I was at the combine in Chicago like a month ago and all of the buzz, like literally from the moment Charlotte moved up to two was they're going to go Miller. They're going to go Miller. They're going to go Miller. And usually when the consensus is that strong about something like that, where it isn't like the guy that was the obvious number one or number two pick, I guess, because I think if any team besides Charlotte had moved up to two, we would be, we wouldn't even be talking about like, who's going to go to, it would have been Wembenyama one scoot two. Charlotte, I think is the only team that, there's some doubt about, but remember what happened last year, the draft, everybody thought that Jabari Smith was going to go number one until like an hour before the draft, when it started coming out, I actually know Orlando likes Paolo or like, so I I'm just, I'm, I'm operating under the assumption that like everything that's out there right now from all sides is just kind of smoke or is like, is it's out there for misdirection. So maybe Charlotte just maybe after all this, Charlotte just says, you know what? We like scoot. We're just going to take scoot and keep scoot and not trade with anybody. And then what happens? <laughs> and then and then that and then that sets off a lot of other dominoes. And like maybe Portland just takes Brandon Miller at three, or maybe Portland. I mean, again, I'm talking about. But Is I it talked, still open? Yeah. I talked about. I talked. I mean, I think. I think that would make Portland feel a little bit better about moving the pick if somebody if Scoot if you're not if you're not passing on Scoot. But also, you know, if Portland decides to keep the pick, I talked about how that front office really likes upside. Maybe they think one of the twins has higher upside than Brandon Miller, and they go there. Mike, yeah, you a lot have to remember, like Amon Thompson. A yeah, lot I mean, you have like to. Re- you have to remember, Mike Schmitz is who is the draft guy at ESPN for a long time. He's in the Blazers front office now as an assistant GM. From what I understand, he was a big driver in the decision to take Shaden Sharp last year because he was one of the few guys that had actually been at all the AAU stuff and had actually seen him play when a lot of people in the draft process had never Obviously seen him play. Not, yeah. <laughs> and so he was telling them like, no, this guy's for real. Like you got to, maybe the twins are like some, like his type of prospect. I don't know. Like that's a, it's a possibility. I don't know. Again, they haven't brought Brandon Miller in yet. So I don't know for sure who is valued where on their draft board, but this is all kind of stuff that's up in the air right now. All those, this should be a very exciting draft. And, uh, <laughs> Hopefully, you know, there will be some uh, some news before then and we have some clearer idea. Yeah. But Sean, if there is a chance, if something does go down, I hope uh, I hope we can talk again and, and, yeah. and break it down. Yeah, this was fun. Let me know if you want to do this again, if they actually do. If, maybe in two weeks we'll talk. We'll come we'll come back on here and do the, you know, the Zion Williamson for number three, like post recap. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe we'll do that. I don't know. But uh, good to talk to you, man. Man, thank you so much for your time, and I uh, look forward to it if we do get to do it again, man. First, I want to say thanks again to Sean Hyken of the Rose Guard Report for joining me. Uh, if, if the Pelicans and Blazers do make a move, I'm sure we'll have him back to discuss the after effects of such a move. Uh, I think we learned a few things today. Number one, no deal with either of these teams is imminent. It'll be probably on draft night once Charlotte is on the clock before we really hear about something getting done. Second, Portland is more interested in Zion Williamson than Brandon Ingram which increases the likelihood of a third team needing to be involved 
in my opinion. And third of all, no matter what, the Pelicans front office understands it has to do something. And this will be the longest nine days that Pelicans fans will have to endure in some time. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, like, share, and uh, don't forget to check out thebirdrights.com for all your Pelicans news and analysis. Until the next time, I'm David Grubb, and in the words of our host, Americans, it's Preston Ellis.